Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. Providing podcasters with flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co. P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. And be sure to add our podcast in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. Podmoth. Welcome to Boozed Podcast, where we get supernatural and shit-faced. I'm your host, Camille Monet, and I invite you to join me and my guest every other Thursday for Spirited Stories. We look at each other and we go, did that just happen? And then her hand, she still had the sucker, it fell over, and then it stood back up, and then the gate closed. Lush lore. And as it turns out, Maria, in a former life, was an evil witch. Oh, and intoxicating inquiries. I mean, I know some hogs can be really freaking big. They can. They can be huge. They're and huge. They'll eat you. So, I mean, wait, I'm sorry, what? Pigs will eat you. Pour a drink, warm up the Ouija board, and prepare to get three ghost sheets to the wind. You can summon a new episode every other Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, get boozed. This episode of the Off Week Weird contains subject matter that might not be suitable for all listeners, particularly those under the age of 13. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome back to another Off Week Weird, jammed into your ear holes by the Identity Podcast on the Podmoth Media Network. On the last episode of this weird little series... I introduced you, or perhaps reintroduced you, to Big Nose George Parrott, his crimes, and his untimely demise. You might remember that Parrott was examined, and his body autopsied. The doctors, in that case, wanted to investigate Parrott's anatomy, to see if they could offer any explanation as to why he did the things that he did. It seems to me that the only thing that they really found out was that he made a damn fine pair of shoes, and that disposing of remains in a whiskey barrel in a random location can actually be a pretty effective way to get rid of them. At least, until we need a new strip mall. If you're into true crime like me, you're likely fascinated by the way serial killers tick, and might wonder what brought them to committing murder and other heinous acts on friends, family, and sometimes complete strangers. 
Discovering some clue as to why killers kill is an attractive shiny bauble to those whose business it is to discover such things. They cut into flesh, poke, prod, and dissect with a strong desire to uncover a motive. Of course, not every autopsy is on a serial killer. But when an SK comes along and there's an opportunity for further study, you can bet that there will be a coroner or a pathologist there with bells on. So let's move on to today's topic. Please be aware, this episode might be a little much for some listeners. You've likely already heard of Peter Curtin. If that name doesn't ring a bell, he was also known as the Vampire of Düsseldorf. Before we dive into what happened after Curtin met his end, let's take a peek at his early life and crimes. As is the case with many a serial killer, Curtin's life was plagued with hardship. He was the third of 13 children, and his parents were both alcoholics. His father was abusive and often beat his wife and children while he was intoxicated. Much later, an FBI profile of Curtin's criminal behavior concluded that his compulsion to commit heinous acts fulfilled a need to control his environment due to his chronically abusive upbringing. Curtin was tried and found guilty on nine counts of murder and seven counts of attempted murder. He was sentenced to beheading in 1931. The judge asked Curtin if he possessed a conscience, to which Curtin replied, quote, I have none. Never have I felt any misgiving in my soul. Never did I think to myself that what I did was bad, even though human society condemns it. My blood and the blood of my victims must be on the hands of my torturers. The punishments I have suffered have destroyed all of my feelings as a human being. That's why I had no pity for my victims. End quote. Although the complete number of Peter Curtin's victims remains ambiguous, there are certainties on some of his victims. Christine Kine, nine, in 1913, was raped, choked to death, and her throat was cut with a knife. In 1929, an unidentified girl, eight, was raped and strangled to death. Rudolf Scheer, 45, in 1929, was stabbed 20 times in the neck with a knife. Rosa Olinger, age 8, was sexually assaulted and stabbed 13 times with a knife. Luis Lenson, 13, and Gutrud Hamasher, 5, 1929, were raped, strangled, and stabbed with a knife. Maria Hahn, 20, in 1929, raped and stabbed with a knife 20 times. Ida Router, 1929, battered to death with a hammer. Elizabeth Dorier, 1929, battered to death with a hammer. Gertie Alberman, in 1929, stabbed 36 times with a pair of scissors. For suspected murders, an unidentified boy, age unknown, and another unidentified boy, age unknown, in 1892, were murdered. It's said that they drowned while swimming at age 5. Attempted murders. Gertrude Schulte, age unknown, 1929, stabbed numerous times but escaped. 
and Maria Budley's, age unknown, raped and attempted to strangle. It took a jury only 90 minutes to come back with a verdict, and Curtin received nine death sentences. Curtin blamed the German penal system and said that his experiences as a child were responsible for his actions, but he showed no remorse. His last words were reportedly, quote, Tell me, after my head is chopped off, will I still be able to hear, at least for a moment, the sound of my own blood gushing from the stump of my neck? That would be the pleasure to end all pleasures, end quote. At this point, you might be wondering what's so weird about a serial killer. Well, as was the case with George Parrott, it's not what he did in life, but rather what happened to him afterward that fits the bill. After Curtin was executed via guillotine, his remains were sent for further study. As I said at the opening of this episode, people were keen to see if Curtin's brain worked differently than that of the average human being, but no abnormalities were revealed. The autopsy concluded that aside from an enlarged thymus gland, Curtin's brain had no physical abnormalities. Of course, once the autopsy was performed, there was the question of what to do with Curtin's remains. Shortly after World War II, his head was transported to the United States. It had been sold along with items from the Nuremberg Torture Collection, basically where all of the nightmare fuel is housed. The Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum in Wisconsin Dells, the water park capital of the world, currently has possession and displays Curtin's bisected, mummified head in amongst all of the other wonderful weirdness that it has on offer, including two-headed calves and six-legged sheep. The head is suspended from a rotating hook and is quite the sight to behold. A plaque at the base of the display explains that the head came to the museum from the estate of Arne Cowart, the world's foremost collector of crime and punishment artifacts. The head is housed in a section of the museum called the Auditorium, and considering Wisconsin Dells sees an estimated 4 million visitors a year, it's reasonable to think that many of those tourists also wander through Ripley's Museum and catch a glimpse of the sneering head of the vampire of Dusseldorf. This has been another Off Week Weird. Join me next time for more tales of the creepy, weird, and paranormal. Until next time, stay spooky. Enjoy what you've heard? Visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash pod to drop a donation into my tip jar. Thank you for your support. The Identity Podcast is brought to you by host Janine Mercer. It's written, produced, and edited by Janine Mercer, unless otherwise stated, and the music is created using GarageBand. The podcast is available on Twitter and Instagram at IdentityPod, and on Facebook as The Identity Podcast. If you'd like a transcript of this episode, one will be available at theidentitypodcast.wordpress.com. Sincerest thanks to all who have promoted the podcast to their family, friends, and coworkers. Every little bit helps. Thank you.